spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here, and welcome into another edition of Ragin' Review. Obviously, not a lot going on in the world of, of collegiate athletics due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Jerry Duty A Bear is with me as he always is each and every week. You know, I don't know if you guys are tired of him. I mean, I might be a little <laughs> bit, you know, what whatever. Jerry, what's up, man? I still love you. I mean, look, it's outside of work and you know, we spent some family time, but as far as hobbies go, what else is there to do other than hang out with you guys, right? Yeah, um, and you know, he, he says he says you guys were joined by a very special guest. I don't know if you can call him the founder of Section A. I the like godfather. to say he, he founded Section, Section A. The godfather of Section A. <laughs> Mr. Chico Rodriguez. Chico, what's up, dude? Hey, guys. Hey, good afternoon. How y'all doing? Oh, living living the American dream, my friend. I hear that, as we all are right now. So, you know, Chico, I I, I want to start by asking you, you know, obviously being the the diehard Cajun baseball fan that you are, how how's life that there's no Cajuns baseball? It sucks, man. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, uh, bored. You know, I mean, it's 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 like what to do, you know. Um, you know, the fan in you, you know, you want to be out there and you want to be out there every weekend and you get, you get geared up for these games and everything. And, and then come to find out, you know, you know, when they, when they went ahead and canceled the season, like crap, what do we do? So you try to buy time, you know, we, uh, you know, hung out a little bit this over the weekend, we played some cards and, you know, kind of we cooked at some, some one of our friends' houses and all that stuff. So we, we were able to get out a little bit and, you know, now we got some things, you know, we're able to do some things now that we probably wouldn't do during the year. You know what I mean? You know, a lot of home, home, uh, yard work and that kind of stuff and, and, uh, getting houses ready for anything like that, you know, uh, going to visit people, you know, things, things of that nature. So, you know, it's just trying to find time, you know, make do what you got and, uh, you know, wishing it was, it was, it would, get uh get back going yeah and and jerry you know i, I kind of you know i know we've talked about it a couple of times but as as a as a fan you know of multiple levels how what's kind of the next step here with you know spring sports being canceled and obviously you know we're not going to have another collegiate sport till football i think the news of everything going on with coronavirus, um, <clears throat> kind of getting the follow-ups of what's closing down or what's going, you know, all these different moratoriums uh, has kind of kept me in the loop of, of, of just being aware um, because really there's nothing else to talk about when it comes to watching TV. That's all we see. And so uh, outside of that, um, I know right now my wife is going through a lot with school because, you know, they, they're, they're still an unknown of whether or not um, – you know, whether or not they're going to be there for the rest or out for the rest of the year or what what type of tentative dates they have lined up. So I know she's busy with that. In the meantime, you know, with my job, uh, we've been staying busy and uh, just trying to adjust to uh, what's going on right now in the world. Um, in the meantime, as a sports fan, I think I can kind of reiterate what Chico said. I mean, it sucks. Um, you really think about it. The last game uh, that. Cajuns played in athletics 
were all wins. You had softball that just dominated Sam Houston on last Wednesday night, thirty uh, a combined score of 34 nothing. You had the women's basketball team uh, take care of business against Little Rock to advance to the conference semifinals in New Orleans. And then you have baseball that just went on the road and beat a good Magnese team and shut them out. And they were on the verge of, of playing a really good coastal team at home in front of a really what was, I would expect to be an anticipated nice crowd. Uh, the team had won six out of seven, catching momentum at the right time. And then all of a sudden, not only does it all shut down, but it shuts down for good. And so it's kind of, it was really sudden. Um, I think it's safe to say that it's now you just kind of try to move forward and just say what's next, not because of sports, but with everything going on beyond sports. So uh, it's been a weird adjustment this these past five or six days for sure. You see, I want to ask both of you. Um, I, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Now that the NCAA has announced eligibility relief for you know the, the seniors that had their season ending so abruptly, how important is that not only for this baseball program but even the softball program? You know, with with especially in softball, you know, Summer Ellison and Megan Kleist, they can come back for a fifth year if they so choose. So how how important is that for? for building team morale going into this lengthy offseason. Well, I think it's it's better it's it's the best thing they could they could do. I mean, think about it, you know, these these student athletes they didn't expect this to happen this year. In fact, no one expected this to happen this year. So, to have that taken away from you so quickly, yeah, I mean, the NCAA would have to have to make adjustments to to reward these kids for what the hard work that they put in for this season. And that, you know, giving them that extra year helps uh with that i mean it doesn't doesn't help for this year and it won't won't you know uh you know they won't they won't play this year but you know it gives them another opportunity to get out there and then play some softball or baseball or track and field or whoever that the sport is that uh that was that suffered from this and jay what about you yeah i think it's safe to say i mean what else could you have done um you know you've got uh, thousands of collegiate athletes around the country that to where their seasons just ended abruptly. And, um, you know, I got the chance to see a lot of coaches, uh, interviews, um, whether it was on Twitter, on TV, on the radio, and they all said the same thing. You know, this is a situation that we had no control over. A lot of times when you give that last speech to your team, it's because you either won a national championship or you lost your last game to end your season. And this is a situation where there was no control. Uh, there was no winners or losers. It was basically, hey, the season's over with, you're done. And so I think it was fair for the NCAA to do that. Um, I think the question is now is is where do they go from here? How do they handle that? Because now, and I know that's been kind of the elephant in the room, is you know we're happy that these, these athletes get that extra year of eligibility, but then come next year, you've got a lot of newcomers coming in. You've got a lot of freshmen coming in. So how are you going to be able to – uh, whether it's this, that, that scholarship, what was that special number? I think it was like, what, 11.7 or something like that or for scholarships. Right, numbers. they're going to they're gonna abolish that. They're going to well, abolish the scholar, the roster limit. Well, but that's the thing. How do you, how do you do that? And so how do you, how do you implement that? I mean, you make, you make a, you make a one-year exception. Well, you yeah, make a one-year, I mean, but then the, the following year, I mean, how do you, you go, how does that you work? Go, I mean, Wait. those. What, what do you mean? Those seniors would be graduated. You wouldn't have. You would no longer have that issue. Yeah, I, I understand that. I'm just saying. I mean, you're gonna have some. You're gonna have some overloaded rosters this year. And, 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 and then, and then the the sad thing is, I think if it has to come to it, you might have to cut some kids. Right. Right. And yeah. I mean, I mean, as, as brutal as that is to say, I mean, that's the, that's the harsh reality of of what it is. And don't yeah. get me wrong, I'm very happy they're doing this. I mean, I'm ecstatic that they're doing this because, it's, to me, there's no other way. Um, but it's going to be interesting watching them trying to handle the logistics come come fall. Right. Yeah, and I think after after a couple of years, it, it'll end up getting balanced back out. You know, but at least for this next year, you know, you can't punish the, the incoming freshmen for something that they had no control over. And these guys signed scholarships and letters of intent to go play at these schools and then you're gonna tell them, well, wait a minute, hold up. Now you gotta, you're gonna show up, and you may not be able to even make the team. Well, no, that's not right. You know, so I think the one-year exception. You know, they let them, they let them on, and they expand the rosters. Um, I think Coach Dex was talking about that today. 
uh, with Scott on, over on fourteen twenty was that uh, you know they're going to try to maybe expand the roster to uh, a different number, and then maybe in a couple of years it'll it'll dial back and it'll balance out once these seniors graduate. But uh, yeah, you can't punish someone coming in for something they have no control over, and and, and same, at the same time, the, those seniors that are going out. Yeah, you know, um, for, for the people that haven't been paying attention to the news, I would just like to give a quick little update. 196 cases in the state of Louisiana, four deaths. The state has completed 531 coronavirus tests and 13 of the 64 parishes with reported cases. You know, Chico, I know I don't want to say that you're old because you're not, but you have a little more life than than Jerry and I. Uh, have you seen anything like this in your uh, in your lifetime? Well, I mean, as far as the uh, the, the I guess the paranoia, I guess the the panic, I guess no, not really. I mean, the last time I want to say the biggest thing was the H one N one issue a few years ago. Um, you know, and that that was that was a much bigger scale than what this is. Uh, this is a serious deal, and people do need to pay attention to it and keep an eye on it. Um, are we kind of like jumping the gun a little bit? That's that's everybody has their own opinion about it. Um, I understand where we at in the world right now. Um, everything is is so now in the now and what's going on now. Um, you know, we're taking it you know one day at a time, hour by hour, minute by minute. And uh, just trying to trying to make adjustments as we go. Yeah, and and Jerry, you know, I kind of want to ask you the same thing. I, you're you're about ten years older than me, so you know what what have you seen similar to to what you uh, to what you've in your lifetime? I mean, from an international pandemic, no. Um, I think the closest I've seen I remember was nine eleven, and of course, you know, me being from New Orleans, we had Katrina. Where you know our lives were altered a little bit there, but um, I think in something like this, where countries are working together to fix this, it's it's a, it's actually a cool thing to see. Um, you know, I'm hoping you know seeing countries kind of put their differences aside and trying to find a cure or trying to find you know a vaccination for this virus to fight this virus off. Um, you know, I, I think what one thing that I find that's been very interesting is. Um, how, and, and like Chico, you were saying, you know, is, are we jumping the gun? And eh, we'll never really know that until, you know, years down the line, when we look back and see the results, but, um, seeing how basically the, the number of businesses that are shutting down the number of state mandates that had, that have been in place, whether it's, um, you know, limiting service at restaurants or, or even closing schools down. Um, I've never seen anything like that before. Again, the closest to me was 9-11, and that only lasted for a few weeks. And that was more of people just being afraid, right, of, of um, you know, another attack or, right. or our enemies coming back. But this is a situation where they're really – the only enemy is a sickness. There's really right. no no body that we're afraid of. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a virus. And so um, – <laughs> I, I've never seen it like this before. Um, I'm hoping that this could be a catalyst in the future for, you know, epidemics possibly that could possibly be worse than this. And and at least we know now we have a <laughs> it's definitely safe to say we have a really good trial run of uh, how to handle how to handle sicknesses like this. And, and I kind of concur off of that. I mean, since Katrina, you know, the United the nation itself is has has gotten even FEMA. I mean, they've gotten to a point to where they're so prepared now uh, for any type of emergency, whether it's is bio biohazard or if it's natural. You know, so uh, the the steps that the state has taken, the steps that the 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 city of Lafayette, the the Cadiana area, and even even down in New Orleans, where, where duty is from, what since since Katrina. You know, they've done a lot of preparations as far as making sure that everything is taken care of to the very last person. And you don't want to have another 9-11 or another Katrina. That's always the fact. It's the fact that it could happen at any time. But when it does happen, that you're ready to go at, at any moment. 
Yeah, and I, and I, I agree with that, and that's very true about Katrina, especially. Um, you know, we've we've had a few scares since then. Whether it was Hurricane Gustav in two thousand eight, I believe Hurricane Isaac in twenty twelve. Um, you know, fairly minor compared to the, you know, the, the, the magnitude of Katrina, but the way the city prepared, whether it was contraflow, whether it were, you know, evacuation orders, uh, whether it were, wh- whether it was getting buses in the city to get people out, um, you see the difference now. You definitely see the difference now. And, and unfortunately, it takes an, an event like that to happen. But hopefully this time around with something like this going on in the future, you know, having this experience will better prepare us later on when, when something really, really serious, not to say this isn't serious, but something even more serious occurs, we'll have this uh, sort of this out this this outline of, of what to do and how to react. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with you, Jeremy. And I was I was working at Tulane, uh, you know, when Katrina was coming and, and you know, all you hear on the radio is it's on its way and everybody's preparing. That's all they can do. And all of a sudden, you know, then they start evacuating. Well, it was mad it was mass chaos. Yeah, you know, so you know, it was the steps weren't taken because we never we never dealt with anything that big. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So you know, like I said, you learn from it, you live from it, and um, you know, hopefully, you're just prepared for it when it happens again. Yeah, the, chatting with Chico and Jerry Abear here, guys. You know, there's not a whole lot of Cajun news to discuss, but. There is something that occurred today in the world of Louisiana sports, and I kind of want to get your opinion on it, and that is the Saints re-signing Drew Brees to a contract two years, $50 million. Did New Orleans overpay for number nine? Oh, absolutely not. No. Straight up. Absolutely not. Actually, they got him on a discount, you know, in my opinion. I mean, you got the all-time leading passer – who wants you know as a free agent, and you got it. You got to keep him. And obviously, it sounded like this deal, you know, was worked out with Drew uh, already. You know, it, he wasn't going to hold the Saints hostage. I can tell you, you know, I, I could probably tell you that. Um, but did they overpay? Absolutely not. They actually got got a hell of a deal, you know, uh, compared to what some of these other guys are going to get going forward. Uh, I mean, look at Teddy. Teddy's rumored to get three years, sixty million. You know, I mean, I mean, Teddy. Yeah, he, he proved himself a little bit last year, but Teddy hasn't started a season in what three years, four years. Yeah. So you know, he's to me unproven. Um, and you're gonna go and pay that kind of money for someone who who only played, you know, six games, four games. You know, so you know, think about that. And you know, Drew, like I said, is forty-two. You know, two years, you know, pay $25 million a year. I mean, I'll take that all day long. You see, my, my personal opinion, I think we overpaid strictly on the regard that you have other needs that need to be met. And I feel like absorbing $25 million in cap space this year kind of ruins that opportunity. Well, well, I think it depends because – Really, when you think about it, I my, my biggest concern was was the wide receiver position. I mean, Michael Thomas was literally the only guy getting the ball last year. Absolutely. Um, and but but at the same time, and that has yet to change. But like yeah. Chico said, I mean, you got to haul. Uh, you know, yes, he's forty one years old. He's but but he's also one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game, and you're getting him at a discount now. Twenty five million. You know, when somebody well, says but, discount, but let me let me let me, funny, let me but, ask you, let me ask you this: Are you really getting him at a discount? Because look his at the, look, because look his at the list of top look at the list of top ten quarterbacks. Just look at the look at look at the salary of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, mean, he's not even the top ten even with, yeah, with mean, the extension. You know, I mean, you got Ben Roethlisberger sitting there number two, making about thirty five million dollars a year, and he hasn't played more than what two seasons in the last five years. You know, yeah. so you know. To me, he's overpaid. I mean, he they 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 overpaying for him. I mean, when his contract comes up, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna retire? Is he gonna is he gonna sign for a hundred million dollars? I don't know. But uh, you know, as far as the Saints go, you know, with the cap space, I mean, in the past, you gotta look at the way Mickey Loomis has done things in the past when it comes to free agency. Uh, you know, that first week, they kind of let things kind of go and and see what happens, and you know, and address needs later before the draft because. 
you know, everybody when the free agent starts, I mean, everybody's jumping, you know, everybody's jumping onto onto the players that may not pan out. Uh, I believe I heard somewhere uh, Washington signed some interior lineman for like ten million dollars a year. I ain't never heard of the dude, you know. So is he going to pan out? And he barely got any starts where he was at before. So I don't know. You know, if you look at some of our free agent picks in the draft in the past, they haven't really worked out all that great, but some of them have. I mean, we got Demario Davis on a steal. I mean, we're only paying him about eight million dollars a year. He should be making eighteen million dollars a year. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you know, you look at you look at those kind of moves like that. So you know, give give the Saints a little bit of credit when it comes to to signing free agents. They usually don't don't jump the gun too fast on on guys. They kind of sit back and wait and see how things pan out that first week, and then and then go out and get guys that they really need those second and third weeks. And lastly, before we move on to the next topic, Tom Brady leaving New England first of all is the is the first major shock, but then you know in comes the news that. He's signing with Tampa Bay. Well, I mean, look at the NFC South next year. Look at the quarterback lineup. You got Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Trash. Teddy Bridgewater, and then you've got and then you've got Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, that's look, I know we like to make fun of Matty Ice. That's a that's a good looking lineup though for a division. Oh, yeah. That's a really good looking lineup. And I tell you, it's funny. Tampa Bay was always the game on the schedule where, you know, uh, some Saints fans kind of like to give their tickets away a little bit more than right. more often than not. They ain't yeah. giving them away now. Not so much anymore. <laughs> Carolina, <laughs> Carolina and Tampa Bay are going to have some high demand for uh, for those two guys coming back to the Super Bowl. Right. Especially to see, you know, when you see if, if, if Brady does sign with Tampa, uh, which all reports indicating that he may, but uh, you, you get that matchup of the, the two top quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, you know, twice a year. A, yeah, you know, in, twice a year for the next two years at least anyway. You know, so, you know, barring injury, obviously. We don't want that to happen. But, you know, you look at that, those matchups, that's four games right there in two years. You know, perhaps maybe a playoff game in there somewhere. You never know. But um, – I mean, you look at that battle. The NFL eats that stuff up, you know. So, be be wouldn't be surprised if Tampa and the Saints are playing only the Sunday night or Monday night football in the, here in the near future. Yeah, there, there's no question about that, Chico. I want to I want to talk to you about you know Section A. Walk walk our listeners through kind of how everything started and and you know how how it's grown into what it is today. Yeah, well, uh, you know, when I was out of school uh, around 1999, I was back home. I was working, and and um, I had gone to Northwestern State prior to that, and I worked for a guy there uh, by the name of Chuck Borg, who uh, was a, the student manager, uh, the equipment. I mean, he wasn't a student manager, but he was equipment manager for Northwestern State, and I worked for him for two years at Northwestern State, and then I got out of school and kind of working at home and living living at home and stuff and and chuck ended up um uh, getting a job here at ul working for big lenny and uh chuck called me up uh one day he said look we got a bunch of guys graduating uh gonna have a whole bunch of freshmen coming in i need someone to come in and kind of knows what they're doing would you want to come in and take a look at the place and and see how they do things around here. It's a lot different than it was at Northwestern and all this. I said, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about going back to school at night or go to LSU or go to or go to USL, which was USL then. And he said, well, why don't you come talk to me uh, next week? I was like, all right. So I drove over to Lafayette, met him at the complex, and uh, walked around the complex a little bit. He kind of explained to me what was going on and uh, told me, he said, look, here's what I can do for you over here. If you decide you want to come, he said, I can get, get your school and books paid for. And I kind of looked at him and said, what you mean get my school and books paid for? He goes, well, they, they have scholarship offers here. But we didn't have it. Northwestern. They paid us by the hour. So he said, if you come here, your school, your tuition is covered and you get a, what back then was called an off campus check to pay for you, your books at the bookstore. And I was like, well, I'll see you in August. You know, so I went home, told my mom, you know, he brought me over to the admissions office. We got the, the paperwork. I went home, got my mom, 
told her what was, what was going on. Of course, we fill out all the paperwork, and I got I got accepted. And uh, I actually came in a little early to, to work spring ball to kind of get a feel of, of practices and that kind of thing. So came here for four and a half years. I was a student manager for football. Uh, I, was, I helped out with baseball uh, with Trace Guidry, who's a friend Trace. of mine. Yeah, old Trace. And then I was also a manager for the uh, softball team for two seasons uh, when uh, Stephanie and Mike were there. So I was uh, always a fan of baseball. I actually was the baseball manager in Northwestern State for a year when I was there under uh, who uh, is now Mississippi State's athletic director, John Cohen, and he was the head yeah. coach at Northwestern State. So I was his manager at Northwestern. So I got some, I got, you know, that coaching ties. I got that manager, that manager tree, you know what I mean? So I had some good head coaches work under me. <laughs> what's with, what's with Northwestern State having all these like legendary coaches start there? It's, it's just one of those, it's just one of those pipeline schools. They got all, they got coaches that just come in, that come through there and they end up going to do bit, bigger and better things, man. I can't explain it because it's national, you know, so it, it is what it is up there, but I don't know. So, Go to school here for four and a half years, uh, graduate, uh, left. I was in the, I was in the equipment manager business for a little while. So that's what I wanted to be, uh, took a job at Tulane, uh, was there for a year as an, as an intern in the equipment room. Um, then, you know, after a year, uh, with Katrina and all that, it was, that was, that was a tough year for us. Had to deal with that. And then I got hired, uh, at LSU the next year. And worked in LSU for two seasons in the equipment room over there, and uh, actually had some time off one day. And I was up in Natchitoches. Uh, some friends of mine were still living up there, so I went up there for the weekend to get away. And one of my old ro- college roommates was uh, coaching the softball team up there, and her and I were talking, and uh, she said that there were some positions open at UL, you know, that might, might be an interest. I was like, "What? What are they?" She said one was a Greek advisor. And the other one was like uh, for the student union. I was like student union, so I kind of went online. I looked at the job descriptions and and all that, and I was like, well, shoot, student union was like a facilities position, which I was looking to get in facilities anyway. While I was at LSU, I said, well, shoot. So I applied for it, and and I got it. So moved back here in two thousand and eight. I worked for a man. My name is Anthony Daniel, uh, in the student union for uh, about eight years. I'm sorry, for about seven years. I've been back uh, 12, something like that. Anyway, uh, I lost count. I lose count of the years. So uh, <laughs> moved back here in 2008. And when I got back, you know, Lynn and, and a lot of those people in athletics were still here. Um, you know, I, I called Lynn. Lynn was the first person I called when I moved back because I, I lived with Lynn for a year and a half while I was in school. And then uh, – moved out right before I graduated and got an apartment and all that. And then, um, when I moved back to Lafayette, I called him up. I was like, look, man, I said, look, uh, if you wouldn't mind, you know, I, I start on Monday. I just got done with, with camp at LSU. I don't have any time to move. Um, cause the first day of classes is Monday. So would you mind? Let me crash with you for a little bit while I kind of transition over back over to Lafayette. Sure. Not a problem. It's like we never missed a beat, you know. So I lived with Lynn for about eight months um, once I moved back. And during that time, I was, you know, working at ULs, working back at, on campus. And, you know, I wanted to get involved with, with uh, the sports again, you know. So it was my opportunity to buy tickets. So I bought football season tickets. And then I definitely got started getting baseball season tickets. So first year for baseball, me and uh, my buddy – uh, Bam Williams, which is Lynn's uh, nephew, him and I were always friends, and we always stayed in touch. Well, when I moved back, I asked him. I said, "Hey, man, look, you want to? If I get these tickets, you want to come to games and stuff?" He goes, "Yeah, sure." I mean, we were younger. You know, he was younger then too. I was younger too, so we we were both single. We didn't really have anything to do, so we um, decided to go start going to baseball games. Well, my ticket, my original tickets, was over to the third base dugout. That's where I was originally sitting. And we go to a game one night, and actually Bam's brother and some of his friends were down over over the first base dugout in what was called the student section back then. So we go over there, 
and hang out. And back then, you know, 08, we wasn't drawing much of a crowd. The team wasn't very good. Um, you know, so we just kind of started sitting out there and started kind of just, just kind of heckling, you know, a little jab here and there. And then next thing you know, it started getting a little more and a little more. And the team, the other team started kind of jarring back at us a little bit. We're like, okay, well, you know, all right, well, so this is how it's going to be, you know, and it's baseball. So, and, uh, so the next year, we decided to, you know, get season tickets on that side. So I got my season tickets switched over, and we ended up sitting there. Well, we'd sit there and we'd start with the other teams, that kind of thing. And you know, it was about six or seven of us that that were out there every week or every game at least. And uh, it just kind of grew from there. Like somebody would bring a friend, and then they would have a great time, and then they would bring a friend next time they'd come, and you know, it just kind of grew from there. And then. It's kind of like the little Austin Powers deal where you tell two friends and they they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on and so on. And next thing you know, you got 50 people up there, you know. So we've uh, we've evolved as a group. We we started with about seven, eight, you know, 10 people. Now we're up to, you know, it was a good contingent, about, you know, 40, 50 at any given time, uh, at least. Uh we all friends. We all hang out with each other in the off season. Um, we we've gotten to know other players from other teams, other coaches from other teams uh, that we still stay in touch with to this day. Um, you know, uh, Coach Deggs was one of those guys where you know over at Sam Houston. You know, when we travel, we started traveling as a group probably five six years ago. You know, a couple of us went over to South Alabama and then. You know, some of us went to Texas State, and, you know, we tried to find a, a good driving distance to where we, we would go. So so now we've gotten to a point to where, uh, I mean, we're up to we, – we've got a barbecue trailer now, for Christ's sake, you know. So uh, we started with a couple of trucks, and now we're up to barbecue trailers and, and tents and everything else. So it's been, it's been a fun uh, group. Uh, we, we try to keep it comical. We try to keep it, you know – keep in the game try to be that that tenth man so to speak for the cape for the for the guys uh because at the end of the day it was it's always about those guys in that dugout um when it comes down to it it's never about one individual with us uh as a group we're a group um everybody everybody puts in to the group um you know and 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 hopefully come away with the victory at the end of the day you know, uh, we'll, we'll we'll yell at you during the game, but we'll be at the bus shaking your hand when the game is over. You know, so uh, that's kind of how we how we kind of run with it. Uh, obviously, we get some flack from time to time, and you got to kind of weed out some bad some bad weeds from time to time. But other than that, uh, you know, it's been the same core group. You know, f- you know, from the the original eight or nine, we probably still have about four or five that are still with us. You know, people get married, people move away, you know, people have kids. Uh, we're starting to have kids now, so we're kind of getting older, <laughs> so to speak. So we got to kind of keep it PG-13, uh, you know, and maybe not talk about the the, the outfielder from Southern Miss's mom as much as, as we used to, you know. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe say she's a nice lady and saying, saying, hey, maybe she should bake us a pie or something like that, you know. So, um but yeah, it's been fun. You know, we've gotten uh, to know other fans from other other schools, uh, and we still we still talk to them from time to time when they come in town, or if we go, you know, especially in the conference, uh, you know, because those those kids play four years, and you know, their sons play four years. So it's been fun. It really has been. It, it's a good time. Uh, we've, like I said, we've evolved so much in the last ten years. It seems like that it's kind of it kind of runs itself now. So. That's that's it in a nutshell. It was a little long winded, but uh, you know, ten years of this, it, it goes a long way. So, I think I think the beauty of it, and and you know, Chico, I, I get I've, I've had the chance to you know become friends with a lot of you know besides you, but a lot of other members of Section A. I, mm-hmm. There were a few people I knew before that, and I think what's so special about the group is you. you it really, it, even though it's evolved, the traditions stay the same. Um, right. There's certain things that you guys do or say that are that have always been there. Uh, like you said, you you know how to keep it PG-13. Um, you're not, you know, you're never. There's never a time where 
there's profanities being screamed or anything like that to where uh, now, I mean, Section A has become a part of, of, of the baseball culture at UL um, more than anything. And I think that's one of the first things that people think of besides the atmosphere is, you know, whether it's uh, Mr. Vic's peanuts or, you know, center field for the seventh inning stretch, you know, it, you guys are in that group now, section a, and then you've got the cooking club and you've got mm-hmm. just so many different traditions. But um, I wanted to ask, man, it's funny because I remember going to, to, to uh, see you guys way back in the day beforehand. Um, how many people like over the years, now, now that you said that, I mean, we're all getting older, but how many people in, in Section A now say, man, I was a kid when I used to go to the games and now they're part of the group? Oh, let's see. I think we got right now, it's it's probably four or five right now. Uh, you know, guys that are in their, their 20s, um, you know, they, they used to go with their dads, you know, back in when the team, you know, and I say, I say, you know, twenties. I mean, you got to think about this. The two thousand team was twenty years ago, you know. Yeah. So, and I was I graduated college in two thousand four. So, it doesn't seem like that's it's that long ago, but it is. And so, I mean, right now, I mean, we probably got four or five guys that people that that have come up there. Um, you know, one of our friends, dude, you know her too. Uh, you know, Kristen Castile. She used to, yeah. she would go with her dad. You know, yep. to every game. And her mom and dad sat with us. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, and that's she got into involved with us, you know, and and um, and it's things like that that um, that it kind of makes it special, and makes the Lafayette area special. And not only Lafayette area, but when you come to the Teague and and Russo Park, that you you get that atmosphere that you can't take back. I mean. I'll never forget. We were playing. Um, we were hosting a conference tournament. Uh, this was back probably twelfth, two thousand twelve, and FIU was playing South Alabama. Okay, and it was in a in a semifinal game. And if you know anything about the conference tournament, you know these games going to late in the night. Weather. It's always you know the weather's always going to be a factor. Um, we were the only ones in the stadium that night besides a few South Alabama family people that were in the grandstands. Okay. And FIU had no fans there. They had a couple people, maybe one or two, but we went to every game. You know, I made it, you know, I love conference tournaments. I go to every game whenever it's in town or if I go to it. So, you know, there's about seven or eight of us that were there that night cheering on FIU, you know, because hashtag South Al sucks. And South Al beat FIU that night. But after the game was over, we went down to congratulate FIU. Their head coach came to us and told us, he said, guys, we I don't I can't tell you how much we appreciate what y'all did for us tonight. We don't even get this in Miami. And when he said that, I went, wait a minute, you live in Miami. <laughs> you don't get this in Miami. He goes, no, we don't get this in Miami at all. I was like, wow. So when, when you hear that from other coaches, the head coaches, you know, um, I mean, that, that right there is, tells you that you, you, you've done, you, you've done your job. Uh, another quick story too, a couple of years ago, we we're playing South Alabama at home. And, and of course, you know, South Alabama at home is always a big weekend for us, for our group. You know, we always do a big tailgate. You know, we invite people over. That's like, that's our one of our big ones. Well, we got out there on Thursday afternoon to set up, and we were hanging out, you know, listening to the radio and stuff, and, you know, sitting back drinking a couple of beverages after setting up and stuff, and South Alabama's taking BP on the field. And the lights are on and all that, and we're kind of sitting out in the parking lot, and the bus wasn't too far from us. And uh, there's about six of us out there, and uh, – the team is coming out of the cooking club because they fed them that night. And, uh, you know, we started jawing at them a little bit. Oh, South Al sucks. Where's Swaggity's ass at? Da, 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 da. Ah, you know? Swaggity. <laughs> uh, and because uh, we found out he was from Mandeville. So ah. uh, out of the shadows comes this big burly dude coming over to us wearing the South Alabama gear. 
And we're like, oh, shit, what are we doing? What the hell's going on? So come to find out, it was Mark Calvin. It was their head coach. Huh. He walks over and he goes, I thought y'all going to be talking a little bit more shit than this. And we're like, well, hold on now, coach. And then we started John. He goes, look, guys, I just want to let y'all know. We enjoy coming down here. We love you guys. You guys keep it real. Y'all guys keep it fun. I just wanted to come introduce myself and let you know that, hey, uh, you guys are doing great. We love y'all, and, and, and thanks for having us over. We're like, coach, look, we like you now, but come Friday, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know it's coming. He goes, that's okay. That's what we want. That's what we like. So it was pretty cool for him to come over to us and, and, and kind of tell us that, you know. So uh, that, that shows the kind of effect you have on a, on a team when they come in town. So, so talk a little bit real quickly um, about – whenever we, the years we hosted regionals. So I remember um, the 2014, I mean, everybody remembers the 2014 season, but I remember mm-hmm. coming sit with you guys uh, for a few innings the, when we played uh, Mississippi State the first night. And of course I was, I don't know what it was. I, as a fan, I was on another level of adrenaline that night. Um, just the fact that we hosted a team that was not only an SEC school, but they were the national runner up the year before. And we hung 14 runs on them that night. Um, in, in situations like that, in games like those, uh, where you're hosting, whether you're hosting or you have a game, a home game, whether it's an LSU or a Mississippi State or Super Regional against Ole Miss or Regional against Arizona, how, I mean, going into those games, as much as you guys hang out with each other off the, fi- or off the field or away from the stadium, what kind of anticipation do you guys have? Uh, do y'all, like, text nonstop about it? Like, what's the camaraderie like going into those games for, for Section A? Oh, absolutely. We know everything there is to know about baseball, college baseball duty. So um, we we pay attention to who's out there, especially when you're having a season like the 14 season. You look at all that. Um, you know, you, we, you make sure, you know, you 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 know who's who to, who to who who the team of the, the teams are. You know who who those guys are. Um, when you get a game and you get to host, obviously it's always at a different, at a higher level. And you try to get amped up for those kind of games, and we do get amped up for those kind of games. But when you're playing like a Mississippi State uh, or an Ole Miss in a Super Regional, knowing it, you know, all you got to do is beat them twice, and you're going to freaking Omaha. Are you kidding? Yeah. So, you know, when you get to and, and it's in right here in Lafayette, I'm like, oh my god. I mean, you know, we're not on the road somewhere, and like. Waco, Texas, or something like that, trying to do this, but you know who the teams are and where you wanna where you wanna be at the end of the year, and you know who you can beat and you know who you can compete with. And that year, you know, it was a special year, and I know we we could beat anybody in the country, absolutely, hands down. I put my money on against us any day of the week that year. Um, the gods felt differently, you know. So, uh, but that's baseball. But you get amped up, you get excited, you know. You try to stay in the game. You, you like I said, you know who you know. These guys have been these in these atmospheres and these SEC teams and these Pac-12 teams that come in. They've been in these atmospheres before. This is nothing new to them. We know that. We know that. So we try to just get get in the heads of, as much as we can, and and it works. You know, ninety percent of the time. Yeah, I had the chance to um, – I remember going to the Houston Regional, and I think I told this to Austin Robichaux. Um, no, I don't know this. Oh, it was Gunner. I'm sorry. We interviewed Gunner. I told this to Gunner about how – you know, how they think – whether or not they notice those type of things as players. Uh, I remember playing Houston in 15, the year after that magical season. And, of mm-hmm. course, with the way we played in that postseason, it, that became a magical year in itself. Right. Um, when we went to Houston and, and, and of course, the, the hit-by-pitch to Shug and – uh, that that speed, the, the bat flip of the century. But it was amazing to see the number of fans we brought there. Um, it was amazing to see the camaraderie of Cajun fans that were in the stadium. I mean, it felt like we outnumbered them and we were louder than the Houston fans in their own place. Um, games like those, uh, I know you say you go, you'll do road trips. But in situations like that, when it's hard to get tickets or if you guys can't, not everybody can show up, do y'all, does, does the group still show up? And do y'all, like, do y'all go to a bar and watch the game? Or do y'all just try to take turns and <laughs> sneaking into the stadium? What do y'all well, do in a situation like that? We, we've done a few different things. Obviously, uh, the first year we played Coastal Carolina um, was on the road. Yes. The first, the first year when they came into the conference, they, we played them over there well. We tailgated at the tee. 
we mm. brought we my buddy's camper out there. We set the tents up. We cooked. We put the games on TV, and we hung out there all weekend and uh, watched uh, watched all three games. Uh, other times we've gone to a bar. We've gone to someone's house. Uh, you know, we try to do that. Try to get together if we can. Uh, I noticed past year. Uh, I say this past year, but this season, um, you know, eight or nine of eight or nine of us went over to Pensacola for the weekend. You know, to yeah. get away. Um, you know, we try to plan one trip early in the year like that if we can get out of here. Uh, get out of Lafayette, get out of Hustle and Bustle Lafayette, you know, with Mardi Gras and all that, um, and try to try to go to a, a weekend series on the road. But uh, for the most part, when we when they on those those big trips like to Georgia Southern or to App State or to you know we, here recently Texas State, uh, we try to we try to catch it on TV. You know, usually at, at Corner Bar or something like that, or at somebody's house, uh, we'll get together. I know. Uh, one year, I think it was twelve or thirteen, when we went to the Baton Rouge Regional. Thirteen, yeah. It was thirteen. Okay, I set up a big old tent in my backyard, and I invited everybody over to watch the games on the on the on the projection screen. So, you know, we had a big cookout, and we would cook and hang out and, and watch all the games. So we did that one year for the regionals because we couldn't get to Baton Rouge. Uh, whether it was tickets or, or something like that, but sure. Um, you know, so we try to, we try to do what we can. Um, you know, if we can make it, make, make it there, we'll make it there. I know, um, uh, some of them went over to, uh, South Alabama, you know, we went to South Alabama one year. Uh, you know, we try to make those trips. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, you can tell because we can hear you on the radio sometimes <laughs> when I'm listening to road games. You can either hear you or somebody else yelling, and I'm like, "Yep." Yeah, that and even Jay will make the comment, "Oh, Section A made the trip," you know. Right. Um, so, uh, and, and we'll wrap this up in a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, um, with everything that happened last summer, the passing of, of Tony Robichaux, and and honor the way we, the way that we all honored him the start this season and everything like that. Now for you, um, being a former baseball manager, knowing coach Robe on a personal level, um, what did coach Robe think of you guys? And he, cause he really, you know, how coach Robe was, he was very, he didn't really right. say much about those kind of things. He just kind of, it's just one of those things where it's kind of the, the aura of the Teague, right. right. That coach Robe right. would talk about, but he wouldn't yeah. never, he would never really single out. He would just kind of talk about a little bit of everything of what, he he would always give credit to the fans to us. Right. Um, what did Coach Robe think of like on a you know outside of radio or outside of an interview? What was Coach Robe's opinion of Section A? Did he ever like would he ever come up to you and compliment you guys? Was he always? I mean, I'm sure I know he was appreciative, but um, like would he ever give you feedback on like what to say or what to do as a as a uh, as a group? Well, if anybody knew Coach Robe, Coach Robe never gave his opinion about anything, right? <laughs> True, that's a good point. <laughs> of course not. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, he never. I mean, Tony and I were, were considered. I consider Tony a friend of mine. Uh, yeah. Tony, you know, when I was a student, Tony took care of me. Uh, he took me on the road with him. You know, when I was a student manager, uh, I got to know Tony as as a professional and as as a colleague. Uh, when I moved back, so him and I, our relationship was probably a little bit different than most fans have with him. Um, did he have any feedback or anything? Not really. I never really. I never really wanted that from Coach Rowe because, like I said, it was never about us. You know, kind of like how he – when he talks about when he won all those games, he didn't win all those games, his team did. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm kind of in the same mindset when it comes to that. You know, I'm the old school way like that. Um, so if he did have an opinion or, or, or what, I'm sure, you know, he – I would think he would be happy with us. I would, I would imagine he would be. He never – told me no when I asked him <laughs> right. stuff, or if I needed something, he never told me no. So I guess that's, that's something, that's something there. I know, I know the players love us. Um, we've gotten to be good friends with a lot of those former guys uh, to this day. I mean, as a matter of fact, that's, I'm not going to say who he is, but he plays second base for us who <clears throat> are number 19. Um, he mm. uh, called me one time looking for tickets. I'm like, I said, Jesus, son, you're an all-American here. How, how, why are you asking me for tickets? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
you know, so that, you know, it's kind of, kind of, we get things like that from time to time, but it, that's kind of, that's just one of those funny stories. But, uh, but coach rogue meant a lot to us, uh, meant a lot to, to the UL family, meant a lot to the Lafayette area and the, the Katyana area, especially the Crowley area. And, uh, he, he, he treated everyone with respect. Um, if he didn't know your name, he acted like he did, yeah. you know, um, I like to know he, he knew mine cause he would call me cheeks all the time. So, uh, so, I mean, he, he, he knew what to say, when to say it. Sure. And every time you left Tony Robichaud, show, you think what he says, you, you know what the damn sky is blue, you know? So that's what I take from Tony Robichaud. show. Um, he was a part of this team that will never be, can never be replaced. Um, and the way they've honored him obviously is, is honored the way he should be honored in my opinion. Um, you know, with what they did with the retiring of his Jersey, uh, the statue, uh, the tributes, uh, that were happening this year, you know, what Troy did when we played him in Pensacola, um, you know, what the other teams have done with, uh, Southeastern wearing 36 hats, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. So we honored him the way he would want to be, would needed to be honored. Maybe not the way he would want to be honored, you know, cause he was never about him, but, um, the Robo show name will live forever with this program. As long as I'm here, as long as Deggs is here, as long as a lot of these older fans that are here, um, that have been around this program a lot longer than me. Yeah. Um, so now, um, we just well, it's hard to say this, but we've completed our first season already. A little, little bit ahead of schedule, um, with Matt Deggs at the helm, um, and unfortunately, it was one of those situations where the team was catching fire at the right time. So we really don't know uh, where this team would have finished. I think this team was getting better as time went on, and um, they were just catching heat at the right time. Uh, and we'll never know. But the good news is, is that uh, Coach Deggs is coming back next year with pretty much, I would think, a very similar team. Uh, and a ball club that is going to be even more hungry because they're going to look back at this year and say, you know what, we could have done a lot with with what we had. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, How before I ask the next question about the team next year, how has Matt Deggs responded to Section A, and what does he think? Oh, uh, I mean, he has been nothing but a, a godsend to us. I mean, uh, like I said, I, he knew us from when he was here. Um, and then we went down over to Sam Houston, you know, I stayed in touch with, with Lance, uh, Lance and I actually became pretty good friends. Um, Lance Harville. If anybody, Lance Harville yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants to know, um, he, Matt took him over to Sam Houston when they left, when they left UL and, um, got in touch with Lance and Lance came when they came down that first year and, you know, they still talked to us, you know, they still told us hi and everything, just like they, they would. I mean, I wouldn't think they wouldn't. And um, we'd go over to, to St. Uh, we went to St. Houston last year, two years ago, I think. And uh, I hit Matt up on Twitter, you know, because uh, Deg's on Twitter saying, hey, look, we're coming in, you know, just want to say hi, you know, if you get a chance, you know, throughout the weekend, you know, come down and tell you hey or whatever, you know, and all that. So we did. I got to talk to him, and uh, when he got the job here, I went meet with him, and I told him, you know, what we, what we really do, and he he understood, and he, you know, we're all in this together, um, you know, it, it's it's all of us or it's none of us type of mentality. Uh, you either part of it or you can you can go go watch baseball somewhere else, you know. So he's been very receptive to us. Um, you know, he actually he actually gave me a 36 hat. I wasn't even expecting that. You know, um, that's something right there to me that that means a lot um, because you know he gave he gave it to me. Um, but as far as as, as his uh, his attitude towards us, I mean, he he wants us there every game. You know, and he needs us there. He, he said, "I need you there every game." I said, "Coach, you ain't gonna worry about that." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we better be there every game. We'll be there. You know, we may not be full force, but we will be there, you know. But uh no, he he's uh he's excited. He, you know, he he loves the atmosphere here. 
Um, he says it many times. You guys go to y'all go to Diamond Club meetings. Y'all know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. This this it's nothing. Not y- y'all don't know. You know about him. So and uh, but yeah, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's our coach. Um, he's he's the only guy I think that could have taken his job, given in this situation. Uh, in America, uh, in, in head job, head coach. Any head coach in America could take this, come in and take this job, given in that situation. Let me be clear on that because there's some coaches on out there that have been just as good. But uh, yeah, I'm glad he's here, and uh, the future is very, very bright for this program. And uh, it would not be long till we're we're back and we're a contender. So, how soon? What do you think about next year? Uh, there's going to be some. You got a few newcomers, but really, you you have almost the same team when you think about it. Um, especially with the fact that these seniors will get an extra year of eligibility. You hope that uh, because of such a short season that they would want to come back and develop a little bit more. Um, what can you expect next year and what kind of uh, – and knowing that Coach Daggs has had a pretty much a full offseason and couldn't finish the year off, but he has a full offseason to where these players are, are starting to understand that pack mentality. What kind of expectations do you have going into 2021? Well, being, being that uh, we didn't finish this season, it's kind of hard to say right at the moment. But, you know, we were starting to play some pretty damn good baseball uh, before they canceled the season. So, going into next year, you know, you look at the roster, obviously, uh, we, with, the, with the players we have that are returning. Um, we don't know what that's going to be yet until, you know, once the draft comes and the draft is over. Um, you know, because the guys, there were some guys that were eligible this year. Uh, do they come back? We don't know. Um, and then you'll you'll go from there. And when fall ball starts up, you know that's when you really get to tell who who's going to make the, who's going to be there. But uh, depending on the situation, I think uh, obviously with the numbers and all that, um, you should be a pretty pretty salty team. I mean, the guys, you know, we were fairly fairly young, um, you know, and like I said, the bats were starting to come around a little bit. The arms were there, so if we get all those boys back, I mean, we should be pretty hard hard out, is what I like to say. So, uh, tough matchup on Friday nights, and uh, hopefully, probably, I, I would say, uh, win the conference. Uh, that that's the first goal, you know, win the division and win the conference. So if we can win the division, I think we can win this conference easily next year. I think what's frustrating is, like you said, I mean, it's it's frustrating for the season to have to end abruptly like this. But it's interesting because it was, you know, we we had the team had won six out of seven. You had Coastal Carolina coming to town. It was going to be a really good test uh, this past weekend to see where where this team was. But I think the the good thing about it is that, uh, like I said earlier, this team seems like they're going to be uh, a lot more hungry, uh, knowing that you know it's one of those situations of what could have been. Um, I'm very excited about next year. Uh, unfortunately, we have to wait almost a full year for it. But um, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, with the NCAA allowing for eligibility or granting seniors el- that extra eligible year, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of feel like maybe it's a possibility that um, there can be maybe more games in the fall, possibly, that won't count against the 56-game schedule. Would you? Would you – Think that that's a possibility that the NCAA can implement? Uh, I don't know. I mean, being that because you know you don't want to you want to kill you guys in the fall. You know, so right? The, the season is in the spring. Uh, I'm not sure how our coach feels about that. I'm sure he would love to have more scrimmages uh, in the fall where you can have another, you know, maybe another game like you did this year when you had the two with Tulane, one with Tulane, one Mississippi State. Yeah. Maybe another game with a McNeese or a, or an LSUE or something like that. Um, you know, something like that maybe. Uh, I don't know about any more than that right now. Um, I think just because, you know, once you get through the fall, it's not that, it's not that much time. Right. Um, you only have a month. So to get your team ready to go for the spring, you know, you – a month if you go any more than that i think you're just gonna burn out some guys and by the end of the, the end of the spring um maybe another scrimmage in there i would say you know whether it's like an lsue or a, a san jack or something like that one of those powerhouse jucos um to come in to kind of test you you know a little bit 
that might be something if if that's even allowable. I don't even know if that's even allowable, but I'm not clear on all the rules. But uh, maybe something like that, uh, you know, or you know, get get you a road trip in there, you know, kind of what they did last year, and and keep it keep it keep it simple. Keep it yeah. Keep it, keep it simple. Don't don't get too crazy with it about all this extra, you know, because we took last year away from you and all these extra games and all that. I think if you keep it simple. Uh, you'd be ready to go in spring. The one thing you don't want to do is get burned out in May and June. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with Chico on that one. I mean, I, I would love to see, you know, more games so that you, you get in game shape, but at the same time, you can't burn yourself out in, you know, September and October. Right. Um. Now, I mean, I, I think something that could be could be discussed by the NCAA is a small increase. You know, they, they get two exhibitions right now. Maybe make it four. Right. Yeah, I'd be cool with that. I'd be you fine know. with that. Because, I mean, you got, look, it, it's it's a whole, I mean, it's two-thirds of the season that's been canceled. So you would think that you kind of want to loosen the legs up a little bit, get a little bit more physical activity for the next, you know, even for the next uh, three or four months during that time frame. Um I mean, that's the guys have been away from baseball. If they play in October, I mean, that's almost what eight months they've been away from it. I mean, that's that's a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a little different in this regard, because even even if um, like in the World Series, for example, like if you play a game in June and yet you get to play in October, that's only about a what a a four month, three and a half, four month time, three and three and a half, four months uh, of time away. I mean, that's double now. So. I would and, think. and right now, I don't think they can even they can even work out. No, you know, they can. So, I don't even know if they so, can be on campus for, right. for any type so, of a- athletic activity. So you got you got to take that into account too. I mean, you got to you got to understand if you don't pick up a ball for six months, it's going to take you a little bit to get to get back in the group. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of newness next year, regardless of sport, regardless right. of uh, what type of competition it is. I think the NCAA, I'm sure they're running around right now behind the scenes trying to figure it out because uh, you know whether it's football, basketball, baseball, you name it. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes. I mean, you're looking at pro sports right now, and there's talks of the NBA possibly going through to July or August. I mean, if yeah. they start, depending on when they start the season, I mean, baseball, we might have a New Year's World Series, by the, by the way they're talking <laughs> yeah. about pushing the start date back. So, you know, I, I think it, this is, and, 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 I, and I, I figured we'd talk about this because of the fact that there are going to be some impending changes, but at the same time, uh, also too, like we talked about in the beginning of, of this pod, of uh, how with these changes can they return back to normalcy quicker I I'll be honest with you. I'm with you, Chico. I think it's going to take a few years to really get back to that normalcy because of that crazy schedule. Um, right. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But um, yeah, man. Well, I uh, I was also wondering too. Um, how's everything going on on campus right now? I know there's uh, you know schools schools out <laughs> for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they have you guys doing at the student union and uh, what? What type of precautions are you guys taking with this uh, COVID nineteen uh, epidemic going on? Well, <clears throat> I can't really talk too much about the the inner workings of what what the administration is doing, but I, I can tell you this: uh, the students will be going to uh, remote classes starting tomorrow, so class will be back in session, uh, but they'll be doing it remotely, uh, no face to face classes. Uh, that's been been put out there. Uh, University is monitoring the situation. Uh, every second, every hour, uh, every minute of the day. Uh, right now, the university is open for business. The student union is open. Uh, the dining hall is open for to-go meals, uh, that kind of thing. So, I mean, we canceled uh, all of our events for the month of March right now. Uh, just trying to monitor uh, the situation and reevaluate at the end of the month uh, if we need to extend that or what. Uh, you know, so right now we're just kind of kind of just maintaining uh, – Keeping uh, keeping a building, uh, the student union sanitized and that kind of thing with with some precautions that we've been been asked to by the uh, university. Um, kind of step up our our due diligence as far as what we do in house, uh, as far as getting things uh, cleaned and sanitized and that sort of thing. And and it's worked out. Um, you know, morale's good, and uh, you know, and uh, trying to get uh, 
figure out what we're going to do tomorrow. So tomorrow's a new day, um, and we'll see. So that's kind of where we're at right now. The university is uh, is up and running, uh, and uh, classes will be uh, remotely taught uh, starting tomorrow. Good deal. Good deal. Well, uh, Chico, thank you so much for having us on. Uh, what am I saying? Thank you for coming on. But uh, you are, I, I, have to, I have to show you some respect, man. You're the God, I'm telling you, you're the godfather of Section A. Um, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, man, my time clock's been all messed up without these sports, man. So some of the things that I've been saying, it's kind of like all over the place because I'm trying to adjust to uh, – a different schedule and uh, you know, no sport, no sports right now can mess you up. And it's crazy. It was so cool today to see the NFL free agency going on. It's, it's it felt a little like a little bit of normalcy. Yeah. Something at least it's something, but uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank thank you for the kind words. Really. I appreciate that. Matt, y'all have done a great job with this, this podcast. Uh, I like coming on. It's the second time I've done this. So uh, this is pretty cool. And uh, if there's anything I can do for you guys, don't have, don't hesitate to reach out. Appreciate you, Chico. All right, fellas. Thank y'all. Thanks, Chico. All right, guys. As always, y'all can follow us on all social medias, and we will reach out to you guys with more information next week. Until then, go Cajuns.